We are over in Hebrews chapter 11, of course. Let's open with prayer. Father, we thank you for examples of people in the Word, great examples of people of faith who saw what you were going to do, believed what you were going to do. Their testimony stands for us. Thank you for what we can learn from them and what you speak to us about them tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, originally we were going to get on to uh, Isaac and Jacob and possibly Joseph. And then by uh, meditating on this Monday and Tuesday, I pretty much wiped out Joseph and was hoping we would take care of Isaac and Jacob. But there's so much on Isaac that uh, I'm not even going to try and put in Jacob in there. So we'll see what happens next week. All we're going to cover is is uh, Isaac here tonight. And take a look at this, because here's the question I've been asking myself about this. How does he get in the Hall of Fame for what he does? Because he does not do this the way God wants. He's trying to bless the wrong guy. Intentionally. Bless the guy that God did not choose. So how do you get in the Hall of Fame of faith for an action that you did towards the wrong person? So I was, I've been meditating on that for a little while trying to figure that one out. Because it was up to me. I've been saying, well, we did this despite what he did. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think uh, there's too much going on in the life of Isaac that you'd put him into the Hall of Fame for. And if I was God, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20 would not have been written with his name in it. So it's a good thing I'm not. Right. <laughs> More evidence why I shouldn't be God. Plenty of that around in there. <laughs> oh my. Well, here it is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. That's a pretty simple thing. And it's just looking at the blessing. So why is a blessing an act of faith? How is faith involved in a blessing? So I wrote down three things here for you. First off, there's the seeing aspect. You have to look into the future. Seeing. You have to see into the future. You have to, in order to put a blessing on somebody, you have to see past today and into tomorrow. Because a blessing is going to speak about things that are to come. Not the things that are, but the things that are to come. So that's the first thing, is the seeing aspect. I have to see through the eyes of faith what's ahead and what's coming. Here's the second one, believing. Once I see it, I have to believe that. I have to have faith in the thing that I saw is from God, is is going to come about. And the third thing is the speaking. It's one thing to believe that what you saw is of God. It's another thing to tell other people about it. You're putting yourself in a line. So there's the act of faith as far as this is concerned. There's the seeing, believing, and the speaking. So this brings the question, what did Isaac see? He had to see something. And it had to be a faith thing because he's in the Hall of Fame of Faith for this. So what does he see? Now the blessing of Abraham would fall upon one of the sons. It was not going to fall upon both of them. It was going to fall upon one of them. So Isaac had to see the blessing and pronounce it upon one of the sons. This is a thing that he would have to do through faith. He had to see what the blessing is and then pronounce it on one of the sons. So the best way to figure this out is let's go back to the beginning see what happened. Genesis chapter 25, verse 19. Now Isaac was married at the good old age of 40. He's 40 years old when he got married. And he would have been single longer if it hadn't been for his father. His, now, people have supposed all over the place about this. Why is Isaac just, you know, sitting at home and, and, and all this? And it, it just seems like he kind of feels that, well, if God, has, if God wants me married, he'll send somebody here. <laughs> I mean, I'm rich. I've got money. I've got the blessing of God in my life. Uh, surely someone out there is going to want to marry me. And they'll come walking on through the door. And even when they got to the point and Abraham's getting tired of this and he says, uh, gets his servant and says, I want you to go out there and 
go out to my uh, family and grab one. Find a, find a woman for this, this guy. Uh, he stays home. If you know somebody's going out to find a wife for you, I mean, wouldn't you want to tag along? <laughs> I want to have some say in this. You can get out there and say, no, I don't like, I don't like that one. All right, that one's better. Um, then you go up and you talk to him, you have a conversation. Nah, nah, I wouldn't get along with her. Uh, you, know, you just have some input on, on this thing because you can't just grab somebody off the street, right? But no, he stays home. I'll wait till you get back, see what you get. That just seems kind of, kind of odd. But anyway, that's what he did. We suppose about it, but we don't know. So he was married at the age of 40. And the twins were born when he was 60. This is according to the Word of God. It says he was 40 when he got married. And he was 60 when they were born. So that's 20 years. Now, I did some other math too. This isn't in your outline. But I did some other math for you. And I went back and I figured out the life of Abraham. Now, you remember how old was Abraham when Isaac was born? 100 years old. Abraham dies at the age of 175. Which means he was alive to see Isaac have kids. He was alive. So, he dies at age 175. Twins are born somewhere around um, when Isaac is, is 60. So, Abraham is 160 years old and he has 15 years to interact. Now, that's an important number. 15 years, he has to interact with them. I'm going to show you what happens here in, in with this. In verse uh, 25, I'm sorry, chapter 25, verse 19, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Uh, Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, his wife, and the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padan, Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with, with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, If all this is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So she's got this big battle that was going on on the inside of her. And now she's never been pregnant before, let alone pregnant with twins. So there's, there's really no expert opinion. Is it more of a battle than usually goes on when there's twins in, in the womb? I don't know. But it was going on. That she must have talked to some people. And he said, is this normal? I mean, it seems like all this is go, going on and, and it's just, wow. Uh, there's quite a battle that was going on here. Now, if you get into the Talmud and some of the other things that are, are written from the, the Jewish perspective, um, some of them write some extra things that are not in the Word. I don't know how true they are, but the usually Jewish traditions are, are uh, they are very true, usually. You don't have too much reason to disbelieve them. So what they have written down about this is that um, in the in the womb, Esau was trying to do physical bodily harm to his brother. Now, how would they know that? I don't know. I mean, did they come out and say, what was going on in there? <laughs> well, he was beating me up. I, I don't know what you do to figure that out. But um, that's what they were. That's what they were saying. Here's another thing that they were. And there's no way to. There's no way to verify this. I don't know some of the stuff that they. They write, but this is actually written down in some of them, that whenever she was going by, walking by um, a place of, of worship with God, that it would stir up uh, Jacob. And whenever she would walk by a worship place of idols, it would stir up Esau. Now, I don't think my mom could know which one was being stirred up at the time. So I just, I throw that out to you. I don't know where, that, I don't think that was in the Talmud or anything like that, but it was, it was written somewhere and, it's just okay. That's a little far fetched. That's a little, too, a little too much for it. But she said, "Here's the question." She said, "If all this, if all is well, why am I like this?" Now she hasn't been able to have babies. Twenty years they've been wanting to have a baby, and again the promise of God comes upon Isaac. So of course the forces of evil are going to come. We don't want the seed to come, and uh, they prayed through it, and and she, and she has a baby, uh, and two of them. So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now, of course, they didn't have an ultrasound. Then they, they couldn't tell necessarily if you're having twins. So uh, maybe there's other ways that they could figure it out. I don't, I don't know. But I know that's the main way that they figure it out now. And even with ultrasound, 
how many people do we hear that are surprised? That kind of surprises me. <laughs> Apparently some people are still surprised that they have twins or whatever they might, tri- triplets or whatever. So here's what the Lord says. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separate from your, separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. The older shall serve the younger. So which one is the blessed line? It's supposed to be the older, but which, according to God, what is the blessed line? The younger. God's telling them before they're born. The blessed line is the younger one, not the older one. That's what God says. So that's the answer to her question. So uh, the Lord spoke this to her. Now she didn't speak it to Isaac. Spoke it to Rebecca. Now in Malachi 1 verse 2 and 3, I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, in what way have I loved you? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. That's pretty strong language. Why did God hate Esau? Why did he love Jacob? I mean, Jacob is the deceiver. He's the heel catcher. He's the one who's just always going around deceiving. And why would you pick him? Romans chapter 9 verse 13 quotes this, As it is written, Jacob I have loved, and but Esau I have hated. Now over in Genesis chapter 25, verse 24, So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when, he, when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now why does, Isaac, why does Isaac love Esau? Because he goes out and he hunts. Gets some, apparently he likes some game. Why does Rebekah love Jacob? doesn't say, does it? She just loved him. Hmm. It gives a reason for why Isaac loves Esau. But it gives no reason for why Rebecca loves Jacob. Let's go back to Romans chapter 9, verse 13. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Why does God God love Jacob? It doesn't say, does it? Why does God hate Esau? It doesn't say. In fact, folks, the only one that it says is the reason why they love or hate is Isaac. And his reason is completely fleshly. What he does for me. Huh. Now that's interesting. Well, we want to take a look at some things with Esau's character. And the first thing we get a little look-see at this is in verse 29. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field. He was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now how many times have you read over this scripture? One of the things that takes so much time when I'm getting these things ready is all the historical stuff that I go through. I was reading for several hours today on a bunch of historical stuff on these particular things and came up with something with some interesting notes. And this was in more than one source and more than one Hebrew authority commenting on this. So it, it seems like it has some, some uh, more substance than she walked by the uh, idolatrous place of worship. <laughs> more, more so than that. But uh, 
Abraham died at age 175. That means that the boys were 15 years old. The estimates are that this happened the day or the day after Abraham died. Now, there's a couple of reasons for it, and some of those reasons are in the text. See, that's one of my scriptures i got to read. Um, take a look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 first. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Boy, you got to be careful of that bitterness. That gets in you. And it seemed like it had gotten into Esau. There was bitterness on the inside of him before anything had transpired with the blessing. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Now he became a defiled person. He became a profane person before he sold the birthright. He sold the birthright because that's the kind of person that he was. He didn't just suddenly become that. This is the kind of person that he was. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 34 and 35, we find out, well, let's just read it. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Besamath, the daughter of Ed, um, Elon, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. These were Hittite women. These were idol worshippers. And he went out and married them. And it seems he did nothing to change their idea of what they would worship. Now later on in 28, 6-9, once he, after the blessing, he uh, heard him say to, to Jacob, uh, go among my people and go get yourself a wife. Don't get one out of the uh, idolatrous worshipers here. So when he heard that, it says in, in Genesis 28, verse 6, Esau saw that Isaac was blessed or had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan, Aram to take himself a wife from there and that as he blessed him he gave him a charge saying you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father Isaac so Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahalath the daughter of Ishmael Abram's son the sister of Nabahath to be his wife in addition to the wives he had so um, he couldn't, I guess, undo these other ones where so he's trying to please his father. And this is a, a thing that he, he had done. But there's two natures that are consi- going on inside this, this young man, Esau. Now, according to the Talmud, the sale of the birthright took place. This is the Talmud. This is not just uh, commentators in here. Uh, the, the sale of the birthright took place immediately after Abraham died. Now, this is a bit of history I wasn't quite familiar with. Maybe you had come into knowledge of this. I had not come into knowledge of this. Or if I did, I forgot it. The Talmud dating, dating would give both Esau and Jacob at age 15 at that time. The lentils Jacob was cooking were meant for his father Isaac because lentils are the traditional mourner's meal for Jews. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that before. On the day before returning, in a rage over the death of Abraham, Esau committed five sins. This is what's written in the, in the Talmud. Five sins. First, he raped a betrothed young woman. Second, he committed murder. Now catch this. And this was written in quite a few different places. He committed murder, and the man he murdered was Nimrod. There was apparently a lot of um, envying and jealousy between the two because they were both considered to be great hunters. And uh, they had come into a clearing and Nimrod had a couple of guards with him. But when Esau saw him coming, he hid behind a rock. And when they went ahead of him and he was able to get behind, he was able to sneak up on Nimrod and he killed him. And then the other two guys came over to uh, come after Esau and he killed them as well. Or did something to chase them away or whatever it was. Um, but he murdered Nimrod. Then says he denied God. 
Oh, I forgot this very important thing. Uh, I did not realize that these things would have lasted this long. But apparently the clothing of Adam had been passed on to a couple of different people. But Nimrod had killed one of the owners. And I had written it down as to who it was and I forgot who the last owner of it was. Nimrod had killed them and taken the clothing of Adam. The Adam. And this was supposed to be make him a great hunter because he had these particular clothes. And when Esau killed him, he took those clothes. And he became the possessor of um, Adam's clothes. Now, that's uh, only a little bit of importance here down the road. We'll get there here in just a bit. Um, next, he denied God. Doesn't give any other detail on that, just that he denied God. He denied the resurrection of the dead. And then, last of all, he spurred his birthright. Uh, let's see. Now, according to the Babylonian Talmud as well, Esau was killed by Hushim, son of Dan, the son of Jacob, because Esau obstructed the burial of Jacob in the cave of uh, Machpelah, which is the cave where the father, fathers were being buried. He was supposed to be buried in there, and apparently there was some kind of a sale that had gone on, and he bought the right to be, uh, Jacob had bought the right to be buried in there, and Esau contested it. Because he was the, the oldest, the firstborn. So he contested it. So apparently when they did the whole sale of the birthright and things like that, it was an official document and there was official documents back in the land of Egypt. I don't know how they got into the land of Egypt. But what happened was they had actually, they had dispatched messengers to go over to Egypt to get the documents and to bring them on back and to prove to everyone around that Jacob had the right to be born there. So this guy, son of Dan, when he, he was apparently hard of hearing, but when he finally got the uh, message that they had gone all the way back to Egypt to get it, he was irate that his grandfather would be, not be able to be honorably buried before all this was going on and had to wait because this man Esau was standing in the way. And he knew good and well that he had sold the, uh, the opportunity or sold the, the right to, and, and Jacob could be buried in there. And so apparently he took a club and whacked him so hard that his head came off and went rolling into the cave. And so they say that Jacob, then he just buried Jacob uh, into the, into the uh, cave. And that was it. Because he just killed the guy who was standing in the way. So they said his head is still buried in there along with the... the that's what's written in the Talmud. That was uh, some interesting stuff. And in with that. Now according to um, Rashi, who was a medieval Torah commentator... Isaac, when blessing Jacob in Esau's place, smelled the... Uh, do we want to get into that? Just We didn't get into the blessing yet, did we? All right. I'll save that. Don't let me forget Rashi. Make sure I come on back to, to, to Rashi. I don't want to get ahead on our, ourselves. And two more things we have to get into from the Talmud. One is Rashi, and the other is... Uh, uh, remember that Isaac went blind? Yeah, we're going to get into that too. All right, so I got to come back to those, those particular things. But those are some of the reasons why Esau was rejected. Now he was living a double life up until the age, according to what was written about him, he was living a double life up until the age of fifteen. Once he hit the age of fifteen, and this episode came out where he sold the birthright, apparently he wasn't hiding anymore. It was either that or the. Or the, the blessing, but most of them say that at the age of fifteen is when he stopped living a double life. And what happened then? You see, up till up till then, when he was in front of his father, he was a good boy. He was doing all the right things. He was doing all the things to appease his father, but his mother saw what he was doing, and she was she was gravitating to uh, Jacob even more, because she saw this was a man who's going to preserve the things of God. Esau was not. And she saw that Esau was snowing his father. And she didn't like it. So she was rising up to uh, on, on Jacob's side and dad was rising up on Esau's side. And so there was, a, of course, a rift in the family. And you get that picture from the, from the Word of God. Let's take a look at the blessing here. Now the blessing of Abraham will be put on one son. 
And God had picked that son before their birth. Isaac decided to go a different way, either by not trusting the word received by Rebekah, because again, she got it, not, not, uh, not Isaac. Or being taken in by the two-faced nature of Esau. One or the other. Either he was taken in and said, no, this is a, this is a good boy. He's going to do well with the, the blessing of God. I'm going to put it on him. Or Rebekah told him about this and he just rejected it. No, not, I don't believe that at all. Genesis 27, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, this is interesting. He's talking about his death. And um, uh, Jacob hasn't gone away yet. So Jacob, after this, he's going to go away. He works for seven years, another seven years, and then another seven years. Twenty-one years he works, and then he comes back. And I don't know how long he's in the, the area. And then sometime after that, his, uh, his, his Rebecca dies first, and then his father dies. So <laughs> he's a little ways away from, from dying. So he might be... Uh, might be drama, dramaing these a little bit. So I'm old and don't know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons and I'll go out and get me some food. Do what I, do what makes me love you. Now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau. His son and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it up and to bring it. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother saying, Bring me game. Make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock. Bring me from there two choice kids of the goats and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. So we're going to take the the goats. We're going to season them. We're going to cook them in such a way so it tastes like game that was killed outside. He apparently knows how to do that. Go now to the flock. Uh, we already did that. Uh, verse 10. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Look, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself, and not a blessing. <clears throat> but his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her older son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Stop right there for just a minute. What happens when a son gets married twice and moves out of the house? He hopefully takes his stuff. Right? Why are Esau's clothes still at the house? How does she have access to Esau's clothes at the house? Should they not be at his house? But look at the wording on it. And Rebecca took the what? Now, knowing what we know from the Talmud, what do you think would be the choice clothes of Esau? If it is true that he has the clothes of Adam, would that not become the choice clothes that you would have? That would be the choice clothes. All right, so why are they at her house and not his? Why would you take your best suit and not keep it in your own house? Why would you put it at mom and dad's? Have you ever had it that there's a situation in your, your house somebody has moved in and you don't trust them? So what would you do? You would take your valuables and you would put them someplace where they didn't have access. Which would tell us that the wives that he has, he doesn't trust. And he won't keep his choice stuff. If it is Adam's clothes or not, he won't keep his choice stuff 
there at the house. He keeps it over there with mom and dad. And so she has access to it. And so she goes. And it is true that he killed Nimrod and is now the possessor of Adam's clothes. Would not his father know it? And if he came close to him and he checked out what he was wearing, even if he couldn't see real good, you think he could tell? Because this is his choice clothes. This is something very special. These are the ones that he's wearing. Has a little interesting twist to that little verse there, doesn't it? And he put the skins of the kids and the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which he had prepared into the hand of her son. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to him, said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. According to the Talmud, they say that when Esau went out to hunt, he had a difficult time finding the game, which gave Rebekah more time to pull this off. So he is claiming that God helped him to get it. But in reality, if we believe the historians that were writing at that time, God fought against them. If it is true, and again, this is an if, if it is true that God fought against them, is God in on this plan? Who does God want to be blessed? Rebecca knows that. And she's working to get this thing done. But for some reason, Dad, I'm going to do it my way. This is, he's going to go against the plan of God and do, do what he wants. Hmm. So Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. A straight up lie. There is no getting around that. It is a straight up lie. I have done just as you told me. He didn't tell him. He told his brother. Please arise, sit and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. It's another straight up lie. I went out back and got a couple of goats. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. He suspects something is going on. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's hands, so he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. That's a whole lot of lying going on there, isn't it? I mean, you want to talk about having a hard time. <laughs> Where's the good on this side? I mean, <laughs> which one we got the good? We got Esau who is two-faced doing evil things. And then we got uh, Isaac who wants to put the blessing on that line, which would be bad. And then we have Rebecca who got the word of God and wants to honor it, but she feels powerless to do it without lying. Now, probably the best way to have handled this is for Rebecca to just storm into his, his old place there in his room and just say, look, you're going against the plan of God by putting that blessing on that boy and you know it. You can't do what you want. You've got to do what God wants. And you know, God would have maybe done some lightning thing or <laughs> fire coming down or whatever it might be and he would have gotten scared and that could have been a better way to handle it. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I can't tell you you know, we'll go ahead and lion's okay. And I said, I can't tell you that. It, it happened. And the what should have happened at the end eventually did happen. But it's, it's just not a good way to get... It, what do you think it is for, for God working with people like us? 
Because we just mess up some stuff, don't we? All right, we got a real powerful verse right here. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game, so that my soul will bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father said to him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing, and blessed him, and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. And here's something that I... Who was that guy I was telling you about? I was going to quote... Got his name already. Rashid. All right. Here's the thing that he made a note of, which is not in the the entire story here. Apparently, is not in the text, but this is uh, one of the things that they had made note of. When he came near, he smelled what he smelled here, which was a heavenly smell. He sm- smelled almost like the presence of God. Called it paradise. And when Esau walked in the room. When we get to that spot, you're going to see the shock that's on his face. And the complete change in his personality towards Esau when he says, please, there has to be some blessing. He says, nope, there's none. He just, he did it a complete about face and it's almost, it's hard to explain. How do you go from the place that I want to put this blessing on him all of a sudden to the point, I got no more blessings for you. I got nothing. Of course, according to this person who wrote this, this commentator on the Talmud, he wrote this about it. He said that when, when um, Jacob came near him, he smelled the smell of paradise. But when Esau came in the room, he smelled the smell of Hades. And it completely turned him off. What he had tried to turn a blind eye to, he couldn't deny it anymore. And he had to realize that Esau was not a man of God. It explains the, uh, the about face that we see in this uh, chapter a lot more than anything else I've ever heard. Bring it near to me. And I will, where, where do we leave off at? 27? Therefore may, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Remember those phrases. They come, they come into play again. Therefore my God, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be masters over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Now he is pronouncing this blessing upon who? Jacob, but who does he think? He thinks it's Esau. What was God's word in the beginning? The older shall serve the younger and look what he says in there all if Rebecca she has, if she has babies after I die because I'm I'm dying <laughs> I think of the the guy on that comedy show you know what's, what's the guy's name the junkyard guy Fred Sanford I'm coming <laughs> what's his, what was his wife's name Ethel Elizabeth. Elizabeth I'm coming Elizabeth <laughs> I, I kind I get that image here of, of this guy you know, he's, I'm on my way. So just in case I go, any more babies that she has, they all going to serve you. He's putting that blessing on, he thinks, Esau. And he put all the blessing on him. Now, he didn't use all the phraseology of the blessing that uh, Abraham had, but he's got enough of it here that he has put that blessing that is on Abraham's line, on the blessed line, and he has denoted it on this boy right here. He thinks it's Esau, but it's Jacob. Verse 30, Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? So he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. Why does he tremble? He trembled exceedingly and said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. Is that a change? See, something has gone on when Esau has come into the room that has changed how he's looking at this. And so if this commentator is correct, 
that he smelled something wonderful, something like paradise, something godly when Jacob was there. And it suddenly turned as soon as Esau came in the room. And he smelled something completely different. No, no, no. I blessed the other guy. And you know what? It's going to stay that way too. He's the blessed one. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. See, I'm not hiding who I am anymore. He let all that bitterness come out of him. Bless me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now look, he has taken away my blessing. See, it wasn't just something they did in secret. Everybody knew about it, including his father. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Indeed, I have made him your master, and all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Is there any kind of blessing he could put on him? I mean, it wasn't all that wordy what he put on Jacob. Couldn't he come up with something? It's not like there's no more blessings for anyone else ever. Because, see, something has turned him. Something has happened that has turned him from blessing Esau. Now look at what he does. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Now watch the wording on this. Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. Is that not the same wording we had before? By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now here's one little change I want to make to this and this is made because of people who know the Hebrew language not a novice like me. Reads like this. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be not of. Behold, your dwelling shall be away from the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. Boy, that changes it, doesn't it? How do you mess up that translation? And this was by more than one um, Hebrew authority. I am not a Hebrew authority. I don't possess myself as, as a Hebrew authority, but other people who know the language say this is a better translation of this, that what it is saying is the complete opposite of the first one, because otherwise it sounds like he's doing something very similar to what he said to Jacob. But he's doing something completely different from it. There's actually no blessing in what he says to him at all. And I have a, a rundown. You can write this in your outline down here if you want to. There are four things that are in this supposed blessing that he got. That first off, the barrenness of the soil of Edom. And Edom is a very barren place. There are some places where there is green, there are some places where it's rich, but most of it is barren, mountainous wasteland. In the land that they settled, the land of Edom. Number two, the warlike temper of the people. Because of the sword that would, that would, uh, by your sword you shall live. You can't live off the fatness of the land because that's going to go away from you. So it's by your sword you're going to live. Third thing is their subjugation to Israel. They would become subservient to Israel. This happened under the reign of David. David conquered Edom and they became servants to the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass when you become... um, And you shall serve your brother and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. And under the reign of Jehoram they revolted and gained their freedom. So what Jacob does is he predicts the future of these guys. The land that you're going to settle in is going to be a barren land. You're going to live by your sword. Eventually Jacob is going to conquer you. But after a while, you're going to get restless and you will break free. I mean, that's some seeing, isn't it? He saw into the future for that. You can read over that and and not necessarily pick up on all those things, especially with that one little bad translation of the word. 
that makes it sound exactly like the, the first prophecy that was put put out there. Now it says, So Esau, verse 41, So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now that wouldn't happen for a long time. <laughs> He's still hanging around. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So he's apparently telling this to people. He's not saying it at home. But he's, you know, relieving some, some steam. My father dies and the days of mourning are over. I am going to kill my brother. You see, because that's in his nature. It's been in his nature for a long time. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran, and stay with him a few days. Turned into many years. Until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you. And he forgets what you have done to him. <laughs> what you have done. <laughs> okay. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day. And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of, of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? So this is her uh, way of getting him out. She uses that as a way. She says, look, we've got to send him away. Uh, she's sending him away because she fears for his life. But she tell, tells her husband... I'm afraid he's going to take a wife like Esau's got. And we don't want that. So let's send him on back over to Laban. And um, now Laban, of course, was um, a brother of Abraham. And that's where the descendants from there come. So she's going to send him on back over there and, and uh, pick up a wife from that one. Which he did. Picked up two wives and then got two more. So he comes back with four wives. But uh, the true character of Esau is revealed in this. Now the blindness, it says that he became blind. Why would a man of God, like Isaac, go blind? Don't you mean, the Word of God talks about how Moses' eyes weren't dim and other people and how things were, were going. Why does it happen with, with this one? That he, um, that, he, that he does this. There's uh, some notes about that. that um, See if I can read this for you. Esau had won the affection of his father by, by lying words. He was a hypocrite, but he played the good son, but he truly was a bad guy. He uh, never ministered to his father unless tricked out in Nimrod's uh, garments and asking questions concerning the duty of tithing, tithing straw. He would be asking question, Bible, Bible questions when he came, but he didn't really care about them. But he's given the impression to his father, hey, I'm interested in the things of God. I want to grow. I want to do these things. Um, now, Rebecca knew who he, who he was. And she was trying to, of course, steer everything towards Jacob. But uh, let me read this part of it to you. After six months, he returned to Hebron. He had gone away with his, with his wives, bringing his godless wives with him. Eliphaz was born unto him during this time. Grief at the idolatrous practices of Esau's wives caused Isaac's blindness, according to Tan uh, Toledot, while others hold the expression from seeing to imply that Isaac had lost his sight previously from the effort not to see Esau's evil deeds. Esau was aware of the obnoxious character of his wives. He would not trust his garments to their care, hence Rebekah was able to put them on Jacob. Esau spent most of his days visiting the shrines of idols, which vexed his father still more than his mother, who had not been reared in Abram's family and was thus not quite so much shocked at idol worship. So Rebekah had come from a place where idol worship wasn't as alien as it would be around Abraham. Abraham, idol worship did not happen in our part of the world. Where, where we are, there's no idols. That's how Abram had it. And see, God knew he would treat his family that way and he would pass on these things to him, which is one of the reasons why Abraham was uh, selected. But if Esau, if the blessing had come on Esau, Esau was not going to teach his kids this. He was not going to pass on the, the, the teachings that would, that would happen. And 
the things of God wouldn't go the same direction they would as if it was Jacob. So even though we look at Jacob, and Jacob had a whole lot of bad things going on in his life, uh, he still loved the Lord. Sometimes, you know, people love the Lord, but they still got some bad stuff going on in their lives. But he truly did love the Lord, and the Lord loved them back. So we get here to... Get on back to the, how to go backwards. A little bit farther by what I wanted to do. We already went through, we got through what, 46? Yeah, I thought so. So why was this an act of faith? First off, he spoke by faith what he saw through faith. And when he speaks over Esau, I mean, he sees stuff. He, he, that's more faith-filled than the other. So it says in the Hebrews, he spoke in faith over Jacob and Esau. But Esau, he's basically pronouncing a curse on him. But he's seen through the eyes of faith what's going to happen. And then he, he speaks it. He believes it and he speaks it. So it's an act of faith of, for what he did. So he spoke by faith what he saw through faith, even though in the flesh he tried to give it to the one he liked or loved. So here brings us to, to this. We can see something in the realm of the Spirit and do a flesh thing with it. Jacob saw into the realm of the Spirit a blessing to put on the line that was going to carry the blessing of Abraham. He saw it in the Spirit. He believed it and he was going to speak it out. But he's going to speak it out over the wrong person. Intentionally. Knowing that God did not pick him. Can you imagine that? But even with that, he still could see into the realm of the Spirit. Just because I see into the realm of the Spirit, just because I hear something from God, does not mean I do the right thing with it. As this is the case in point right here. I can see into the realm of the Spirit. I can see into the realm of the Spirit and hear a prophecy and do the wrong thing with it. Just because I did a wrong thing didn't mean I didn't hear from the Spirit. Does it? Because Jacob, the blessing that was put, put on him, was supposed to, according to dad, go to Esau. But it didn't. God wanted it for Jacob. God spoke it with the intention of going on Jacob's line. And the man who received it was going to divert it. He's going to put it in a different direction. See, just because someone is spiritual enough to hear what God is saying does not mean they are spiritual enough to know what to do with it. We have to develop ourselves to the point that I know what to do with what I hear. i got to know what to do with what I hear. Esau, or I'm sorry, um, Isaac could have made a huge mistake. It didn't happen. Now I think wrong things stopped it from happening. But they st- and God didn't interfere with it. Isn't that interesting? God does not interfere with it. You can create your own plans and God apparently doesn't interfere with it. So don't think that, well, if I got something from God, God would stop me before I would say it in a wrong... No, apparently not. That's not the thing that's going on. It's your responsibility to make sure that you do it right. That you, that you hear the right thing. Now, the New Testament was filled with people who had been walking in the Spirit, hearing things right in the Spirit, and then all of a sudden started hearing from the wrong spirits and speaking them out. And Paul had to rebuke them, correct them, and eventually just put them out and said, beware of these guys. They're, they're teaching wrong stuff. They're, they're hearing from the wrong spirits now. They were on our team. They're not on our team anymore. Don't bring them in. He had to give warning about that. Peter, we saw sometimes he was, he was hearing things, but every once in a while he could step back off into the flesh. Paul had to rebuke him one time in the, in the uh, New Testament realm. Jesus had to rebuke him one time in the gospel realm. He, he was seeing into the spirit. He could hear things, but his flesh would get in the way. Don't think just because you heard something in the Spirit that your flesh cannot get in the way. Oh, it can. Boy, it can get in the way. You see, well, just because I received something in the Spirit, I'll just give you my own, my own personal thing. When I receive something in the Spirit, it doesn't mean it's for everybody. God may speak to me something in the Spirit. See, if God speaks to me something in the Spirit, it may be for me. But then God may also speak something in the Spirit to me that's for me to share to the church. 
God may also speak something to me in the Spirit that's for me to share with a few people. Well, I have to figure out what is which is right. Because you share the, the right message with the wrong people, you can have the wrong results. You don't want to do that. And so we have to, 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 to figure that out. How is it that we can hear in the realm of the Spirit, but then still stay in the Spirit to put it out? <laughs> and that's what you have to do. The, just, some people, they just stay in the Spirit long enough to get the message, and then they get in the flesh, and they start uh, you know, messing up, doing the wrong thing. No, you can't do that. You gotta make sure that you're, you gotta make sure that you're ready. And then sometimes we try and receive things in the flesh, and then pass them off as something in the spirit. And that's wrong too. I know I've said this example many times, but I have no learning experience better than Brother Keith Moore's on this one. And you know, when Brother Hagen started calling him on up to the service, he and, and Patsy, at uh, that time, Patsy Beerman, she's uh, Patsy Caminetti now, but um, they called him on up, and you know the story. You have anything? No, I don't have anything. Do you have anything? No, I don't have anything. And Brother Hagen mentioned in front of everybody in the meeting, in front of the whole meeting. Well, if I knew it was going to take you this long, I wouldn't have called you. And Brother Keith said, I was always ready from that point on. I was always ready. See, sometimes we spend so much time getting ready that when we're called on, we, we just kind of float around. We're just kind of floating. And God's not here for floating. You know, if, if I got up to, on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night got up and just said, well, I'm just going to wait on the Lord for Him to give me, oh, I'm not sure what He's going to do for me here. I, you don't expect that, do you? You expect that when I get up and I take the, the microphone and I start teaching, then I know what I'm going to teach. That I've got it. See, we got, the time to receive was before. But it's not just a time to receive. It's also a time when I have to, what am I supposed to do with it? Because you see, some things I receive, okay, that's for me. And some things I receive, well, that's for you to share. I have to begin to discern the dis- difference between what's for me. Because you know, God's still going to, just because you were a pastor, or a minister, or a teacher, and, you know, doing, th- just because you do things for other people doesn't mean God's going to stop speaking to you. Sometimes we get this idea that everything that God says to me, well, it's for me to share. And I know some of the things He shared with me, it's, uh, it's not for me to share yet. Maybe eventually it will. I don't know. But I can, I take some of those things and I just write them on down. Well, yeah, that was good. I, I like that. I appreciate hearing that. That's going to help me out. I just take it as, that was for me. There's other times that it's something for me to share with the church. And to step out and to, and to share it. And I'll tell you, I know I've, I've made the mistake. I got things that were for me and I shared them in the church. <laughs> that's not, that's, it's not going to go over so well. And the people aren't going to quite, uh, quite jump into it. But you see, J- Isaac is a great example of this. He's not the most spiritual of people to begin with. But he makes the hall of fame. So he had to do something good. And it's not just for what he did with Jacob. It's for what he did with Esau as well. And he spoke some of the most poignant things to Esau, more so than he did with, with Jacob. He saw some stuff. And I think when he came into that room, whether he smelled something different or he saw something different, something changed because his attitude towards Esau is not the same as it was when he left. He saw something different. What I was intending to do was of my flesh, not of God. But I was going to pass it off as God. Hmm. Can't do that. Just because I received something in the Spirit doesn't mean I know how to put it back out. Now, in the Sunday morning series, we covered a couple of ones where people, you know, Joseph's dream and Peter's vision, they saw something in the Spirit, but they took time to meditate on it to figure out what it was. Sometimes we've got to take some time to figure out what it is. But when you're, when you're called on the minister, it's not a time to be seeking after God. You should have sought after God before. When you're called on a minister, now it's time to go. Brother Keith's story, I've said it, how many times have I said that story? You don't know how many times I think about that story. (laughs) Far more than I I tell it. Because I've got to keep myself in remembrance of that. Uh, I've got to be ready. I'd rather be ready and not called on than called on and not ready. Got to make sure that we're ready. You know, if God, if, if... 
If opportunity comes here, what would you have me do? And just be asking. So Brother Keith is always doing that. When he's sitting there in the service, if Brother Hagen calls me, what would I do? God, if, he, if I got called on, what shall I do? And so he always had an answer. If he wasn't called on, that's fine. He just sat on it. He, he didn't feel like he had to, had to step up there and do it. Didn't feel bad. But he was ready. He was ready to go. We got to stay ready. Uh, Isaac was not. He was ready to, to see into the realm of the Spirit, but he was going to do something wrong with it. So we can see something in the Spirit, but interpret it in our flesh. Once he saw the hand of God and perhaps smelled it as well, I put in my in my notes. Uh, did I put that in yours too? He did not try and interfere anymore. He didn't. He didn't try and interfere anymore. He stepped out of the way and he said, "All right, this is God. This is God." And I was fighting him. I was going the wrong direction. He just kind of backed out. And he said, "No, this is uh, Esau. This is for you." Remember Hebrews chapter 12 called Esau a profane person. Called him a profane person. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. So apparently not only was he profane but a fornicator as well. There are things we are to receive in the Spirit. Some of those things are for us. Some of those things for us to share with other people. I've got to start putting some time in to learn the difference between the two. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a learning curve, but I'll tell you what, this boy almost messed it up on a learning curve. I don't know if he had any other opportunity to minister in this area. This may have been his one and only time. And he nearly messed it up. But it was averted. Again, I think it could have been averted a little bit more, uh, a little bit better of a way. Uh, Rebecca, not the most spiritual of persons either. She could have gone before God and says, God, what shall we do? And God's more up front. God doesn't have to go behind the scenes and deceive. He's more up front. And I think he would have had a more up front way to do it. But we didn't seek after that. We went this way. So don't think that God put his stamp of approval on this. This is the way to do it. But it was, uh, it was stopped. But certainly you can, you can see this. Probably the best example I can think of in the Word of God of someone who received something so spiritual it made the Hall of Fame of Faith and was going to do something with it that was as fleshly as you can get. To put the blessings of God on the same thing, same person that God said, I hated him. He called him a profane person. You can't get much more fleshly than that, can you? To put the blessing, God's blessed line on that And if Isaac could do it, I could do it. You could do it. We've got to be on guard against it. And it's important that we don't. What would have happened if Isaac's plan would have gone through and the blessing of God, the blessing of Abraham, would have gone on the line of Esau? What would have happened? Father, we thank you that you are patient with us, that you teach us, that we are, the more we walk with you, the more we pick up in the realm of the Spirit, the more we hear the words of God. Father, we have to step up and be responsible with what we do with them. It's imperative that we do. I thank you that you help us. Thank you that you guide us. I give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Any comments? Questions? Anything from Facebook people? Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, the uh, Amplified got it right. Did they? Yes. All right. Yeah, they said you're growing, showing your way from the fertility. There you go. As the, that is the correct translation. Say that again so they're here on the... Yes. The, um, I said the Amplified Bible has it right. Um regarding what uh, Isaac uh, said to Esau um, after he had blessed Jacob. And Esau wanted to uh, have him bless him. And he said that uh, your dwelling shall be away from the fertility of the earth and away from the dew of heaven. Nice.
All right. Thanks for bringing that up. I did not even check the Amplified Bible. Any other comments, questions? Anything to add? What did you think of some of that history in the on Esau? Had any, anything new to you? Even though Rebecca had the right intentions because of what God told her, was she right because she preserved God's plan? Well, have you ever had a child, and I'm sure every one of us can, can say that, who got the right result the wrong way? Mm-hmm. And so how do you approach that? Well, the same thing for Isaac. He yeah. got, the right res- got the right result the wrong way. Yeah, got the right result the wrong way. So you can go with Rebecca. Said so Rebecca, you had the right. You, you knew the heart of God on this, but that's not God's way. How you accomplished it? But um, you know, Rebecca didn't grow up in a household like Abraham, who was teaching them the Word of God constantly. Constantly, Abraham's teaching them the Word of God. Constantly teaching about faith. Rebecca grew up with, you know, there's some people who are God and some people that are idol worshippers, and and she's around a lot more of that. But she has been in the house for a little. You know, she's. uh, It seems to me God was. uh, I mean, how many women are going to come out and water your camels? (laughs) So it seemed that um, that she was the. Maybe she's the best available. We're not saying that she was a ten. On, the, on God's scale, but uh, you know, maybe an eight was preferable to a five, or something like that. And Isaac didn't go choose her, so. Yeah, Isaac wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't all that much involved. Mm. Now she had twenty years of being under uh, the teaching with Abraham and, and so forth. Um, but actually, uh, more than that, twenty years till she uh, had the baby, and then fifteen more years. That's so thirty-five years. That's a good long time to be under faith. Some of us haven't even been under faith for thirty-five years. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Oh boy. Hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah, just because God didn't stop you doesn't mean that it, uh, God was in it. God doesn't stop a lot of stuff. Hmm. Good comment. Anything else? All right, folks. Well, thanks for coming out. Next Wednesday, we will be looking at, I don't know if we're going to get any further than than Jacob. Uh, we might, Joseph, um, I was pretty sure I could take a whole thing on Joseph because what he, what he does is, we have to spend some time with him to really get the idea to see what the faith is and what Joseph had, had done. And I don't want to shortchange us on that. So we'll see. Next week, we either get into both of them or just one of them. Again, we're not in any time frame. We can, you know, spend as much time as we want to on here in Hebrews. I guess as long.